I'm drawn to the the casual anti-Semitism of the whole thing. You New Yorkers. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. Look, I want to tell you something because you're very dear to me. And I hope you understand it comes from the bottom of my damaged, damaged heart. You are the finest piece of ass I ever had. And I don't care who knows it. Welcome to They Coined It. I, that is like a, I'm giving you a sweeping welcome. Welcome to you, Roberta. <laughs> Indian Summer. Mm-hmm. I guess we're not changing the name or the emblem of. What? P- political correctness I'm sh- of I'm the sh- term? I'm sure. I'm sure it's a term we're not, we don't probably say anymore. I got to say. Uh, you don't really hear it. You don't, it's not something that you hear in daily, you know. Even I think, if you're in an Indian summer, you're not saying, oh, what an Indian summer. I think that's because we've removed seasons from our climate. <laughs> but do um, they, well, let me think, do they, do they say Indian summer in this episode? I don't know if I they ever. I recall an instance that they do. I don't know if, if it's ever said. It's kind of, kind of even more clever. The thing with Indian summer that I was trying to find in terms of a theme for the episode is, is like, what's it a metaphor for? And I. I couldn't find one. <laughs> I think it was just, it was hot. Uh, people were sweaty. People weren't having sex because of sweat like that. Like I don't, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't find like a, a theme from it, Dan. And you're kind of the theme guy. It, it doesn't mean hot and horny in some, in some way or shape or form. In, in, in a native language. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll keep looking and report back. Yes. We're going to, we are, what we have, I think, effectively communicated is how white we are. Dan, have you watched The Umbrella Academy? Have not. Okay. I'm fascinated with what shows up and doesn't show up for me for Netflix. So I've never heard of it. So tell me about it. So it, the second season just dropped. And I just watched the first season. It is a sort of sci-fi comic book superhero. And this is going to be a slight, slight spoiler for how season two starts. So let me just say, it's really good. It's definitely a fun, dark ride. There's some time travel in it. So here comes the spoiler, slight spoiler, season two opening. It drops us down into February of 1960. Madman territory. One month before... Peggy gets the pill. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I mark my historical calendar. No, seriously. I see. after Peggy gets the pill. Me too. I, I mean, I see February 1960, <laughs> and I only think one thing. That's, that's a month before Mad Men. That's right. What you start to see is time in motion. You see February 1960, and then you see something 1961. And, and then when we get to 1963, you're seeing more months again. And I, I'm like, oh, this, I get it. We're building toward, we're building toward Kennedy. Other than that, I recommend, I really do recommend it. It's great. What really struck me is how Kennedy references permeate us as a culture. We have this collective wound. That was it on the spoilers. I've only seen the first few episodes and I'm not going to say anything more about them anyway. But over and over, we keep trying to correct it. We keep trying to fix it. We keep, if only, if only, if only. And I just think it's fascinating. Right, 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 right. I mean, there's lots of reasons why that event kind of holds the place that it holds. No one can imagine the 60s shaping up the way that they did. And, you know, Mad Men is one version of that of that story. 
with Kennedy as president. Like we like to think that Kennedy would have held things together in a different way. Now, some of it certainly would have been out of his control. The more you, the more you look at it, the more it's a natural breaking point from the 50s into what would become later. I agree with all that. I agree with that analysis for the people who went through it. You know, Matt, the story of Mad Men is the story of how the 60s became the 60s that we know the 60s to be. And you're right. Kennedy is a huge pivot point for that. But I just, I just, I think it's interesting that like I have this cultural memory of Kennedy being shot that I have no business having. So show recommendation and also thought provoking about topics relevant to this podcast. There you go. Umbrella Academy on Netflix. So Indian Summer. I gotta say, like I hadn't seen this episode in a really long time and I could not have told you really one thing that I associated with this episode, right? I mean, it's hot. Indian Summer indicates that. But um, nothing stood out for this, for this episode as a long-term connector. You? Once I read the description, a lot came back to me. Right, the exercise thing. And- yeah, the, uh, and, um, and the washing machine thing. Right. Joan and Roger with the makeup, mm-hmm. Roger's, Roger's second heart attack. But for the life of me, I could not have told you what episode Roger's second heart attack takes place. In. And of course, Adam. Man, it just this was this was quite a an episode. really great episode. Episode eleven, Indian Summer, written by Tom Palmer and Matthew Weiner, directed by Tim Hunter. The original air date was October fourth, two thousand seven, and we think it happens really in kind of early to mid October nineteen sixty, um, where evidently they were having a little bit of a heat wave in the yes. midst of the fall of nineteen. We've ascertained, <laughs> yes. So this episode starts with Adam. And Adam is a different looking Adam than who we met the first time. And it it fits with what he does, which is kicks the chair. So you've got that sequence and it's powerful. But what I found interesting is that the rest of the episode sort of lives without it. And for myself... As a viewer, for the most part, I forgot about it until the end of the episode when the when the box arrives. I think it's a storytelling device to start you off with this event. And look, Adam's not in the mix with the other characters. True. So he does something uh, in a hotel somewhere, boarding house, I suppose, that is completely disconnected from the other action of the series. We only know because we've met him this one time and we know his connection to Don. And we know how Don blew him off. The episode could have been written where, you know, Don gets a phone call or they find him right away or, you know, whatever happens. But it's a little bit of a a little bit of a Chekhov's gun to start that action at the beginning and then frame it with the box arriving in the end. And then the kicker is the box doesn't just arrive. It's intercepted, which is a great final, final kick on on the action and so so this frame this is a framing device we're going to begin and end with with these little totems uh from and he's and he's in his suit he puts on his sunday best the other thing is you he's not spent any of that money i'm trying to think how how long has it been since 5g when when don gives him the money is it four months five months it's mother's it's mother's day Oh, it was Mother's Okay, so May to October. It's a good five, six months. And he's been obviously living with depression since then. I mean, that's very clear. The hair is not 
slick back. Uh, the wide eyes are not so wide. He's he's clearly depressed and and living through hell. It's really possible he's always been living with depression. I mean, he came from the background he came from. And this is a theme I'm going to touch on later, but uh, living for something, living for a future, living for a possibility. His possibility was always Don Dick, rather, is alive. At the very least, he's been living for the event of reuniting. Someday finding Dick and yeah. reuniting. And then. And, and the hope was that there would be some meaningful reunion. Yes. You know, that, yes. that it wasn't like it was. It definitely didn't go the way he dreamed, hoped. No. And, you know, Donald's name is spelled wrong. Donald Draper on the package is D-O-N-I-L-D, mm. uh, which points to this complete lack of education. And it just kind of underscores that that Adam kind of had nothing other than that hope of reunion. That kind yep. of was it. Yeah. You really, you really believe that. And he's gotten more money than he's ever had in his life in his pocket. And he's not touching you know, it. And he he wouldn't could have made other choices if he was prepared to do so, or if he was um, capable of doing so. And I just don't think he was capable. He had his pride, and he yeah. was not going to touch that money. I keep struggling for this. What's the what's the Indian summer metaphor? And it's like, well, some last burst of summer before everything starts to die. It's a false. It's a something. It's a false hope. It's a false feeling almost it's mm. a it, it belies what's really happening which are which is it's october and leaves are falling mm -hmm. and it's hot and maybe somehow that's the i mean that's really that's what that's what indian summer is right so i think another another huge element for me was roberta you're fond of the phrase how the sausage gets made right? we see it <laughs> comes up a lot and um this was an episode about how the sausage is made. It's about the process and the tactics and the behind the scenes, everything. We see a lot of references, both overt and indirect, of how things really work. And it was it was almost an assault of of instances completely on all these different levels from all these different scenes and all these different characters, all kind of echoing one another in this part, which is fascinating. In a million years, Dan, <laughs> I would I would not have chosen as my metaphor for the episode about female masturbation, <laughs> mm. anything having to do with the sausage. But I'm I'm go go you know have you gotta have go it. where it takes <laughs> you. Yeah, follow your muse. Oh mm -hmm. my goodness. Um. um. <laughs> all the sauce that's it. this this whole episode that's all the sausage that's what it's all about but there's but but like i said there, it's it's really about the behind the scenes and about the maneuvering so some examples are don's advice to peggy about how to come up with creative ideas think about it deeply then forget about it which is you know for mad men fans that's like <laughs> it's, uh it's a bit of a mantra but it's it's great advice for anyone who's ever had to come up with a creative idea in terms of emotional content, that moment where Don says that to Peggy and the look on her face was just beautiful. So I want to get into a little bit that whole that whole thing. Yeah. We've got this new brand. We've got this new product. What the hell is it? How the, how how is it going to work? Oh, hey, let's bring in Peggy. 
oh, I have a new account. No, you have a pro- you have a you have an assignment. assignment yeah. So you you're watching Peggy's shift. I mean, because by the end of, by the end of the episode, she has what they never called a promotion, but mm-hmm. something has already happened with Don by the time he says, "Think about it deeply and forget it." In terms of Peggy. I don't know if it happened inside of this episode or before it. He gave her the first assignment, gave her Belle Jolie. Yeah. We haven't we haven't seen Don's respect for Peggy. And in that moment, we did see it. So we don't know when it when it shifted for Don, but this mm. is the episode that we see this grand shift in their relationship as mentor and mentee. And in terms of huh, it was incredible to watch her deal with this product. And and I don't <laughs> I don't mean, you know, the end when she's like, hell, I'm gonna, why not? Why wouldn't I? But watching her barely able to say it, right? Barely able to write it down. Like she now knows what this product is for. And right. she she can, you know, she's like, Don't make me say it, don't make me say it, don't right. make me say it, read it. And he's like, the reading it isn't helping. What are you not saying? But from the moment she starts to say it and he starts to hear it, there's something that, there that I, I think is just wonderful to watch where she she says it. Like she doesn't, yeah. you know, she's convoluted with it, but she stops being afraid. She never shakes with fear. She does present right. this product and everybody's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then she's like, it means this. And again, the words are clouded. The guys aren't thinking that this is a, in any way, a sexual device to begin with. He's not, he's not in that frame of mind. He's not going to pick up on it. So she finally has to be more direct about it. While she is timid to say it, while she first avoids all the words for it, right? Mm. There's something fearless about her behavior. I mean, this is an actress with whom we would see a little bit of quiver. A li- There's none of that. She's timid. She is hesitant. She doesn't know how she's going to say it. But when he's like, you need to present this and you need to say it more explicitly, she's like, okay. Right. She's She's hoping she doesn't have to go all the way in her description, but she will if that's what's required. She's she's up for it. She's up for the challenge. And then the other, just to go back one, the other the other piece, and, and maybe this is the moment that um, that really seals it for Don. Don had already said, well, the first thing we need to do is give it a new name. And Peggy, as she's leaving the office, asks, am I allowed to change the name? First of all, that's one of these wonderful Peggy Don parallels, but right. also that's that's somebody who thinks the way I want her it's, thinking. Right. F- further evidence that we've got a writer here. That we've really got a writer here. And then real quick, from that, there emerged another theme that sort of goes with your theme that I'm going to pepper through as I see fit. You're talking about how, you know, back in the kitchen where the sausage is made. For me, what I saw in that is there's what there is, and then there's what we say about what there is. Um, and starting with, can I change the name? Starting with right. her presentation where she can't really say, this is about yeah. masturbation well, the, the and a vibrator. The concept of Peggy not being able to say <laughs> what the product, exactly. what the benefits are, right? I'll, I'll also, to your point about when Don makes this shift, I agree that he's he's not like on his own contemplating Peggy's future as a writer at this point. but. Freddie's the one that always 
gets it going for Don, plants the seed of her giving her more work. But in this case, it's also Pete saying, I told her we put our best guns on it. And Don's like, our best guns are silent. So out of desperation, Don is very open to the idea. He's kind of edged in again with the Belle Jolie lipstick and no one having a clue. He's never against it. Neither was he for it. He didn't promote, he didn't think of it. So yeah. it definitely, it did happen inside this episode. The, the shift from maybe she can write a little bit here and there to, oh. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think him embracing the role of mentor to her. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about, I love, I love the scene with the salesman, the, the air conditioner salesman. I remember when I first watched this, I was like, I know that guy. Buffy fans will okay. remember Adam Kaufman is the name of the actor. He was Parker Adams. Parker was the first fuck Pete Campbell. Buffy dated him in college, and uh, he left an impression. Well, he's a handsome devil. That's all I can say. Always was. And, char- and charming. Yeah, he gets his, gets his way into the Draper's residence. But no, I just thought that was a, that was a fun little instructive, I don't know, exchange no we won't be buying anything well can i have a glass of water it's hot out here right he gets his way in the house she gives him the glass of water he starts measuring for (laughs) for a for an estimate and before you know it he's you know on the way upstairs to to look at the upstairs and 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 betty thinks better of it because she knows she knows what's going on inside her head she says she laughs my husband is a salesman which is a weird way to describe Don, but but okay, I I, I know, you know for, I've always found that to be an interesting way to. to but to I think describe. she I think she used that to her advantage in that moment. I think normally she would not describe him as a salesman. I think she did it specifically to say I'm on to you, buddy. And yet it still was working a little bit on her. But but to your point, it's be, more that was more because of the handsome. Exactly. But I always you know that that little moment where she goes, she turns around on the steps and says. I think my husband would prefer to go to Sears. He's kind of like, uh, okay, you know, and it kind of it kind of ends right there. I don't know. There's something about that. Like, first of all, it just comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's obviously her way of saying, get the hell out of my house. But I don't know. There's like almost like a Twin Peaks quality to that exchange because she's so like insistent and it's kind of a non sequitur. She's going along and kind of interested in what he, and she does want an air conditioner. I mean, she's like sweltering in that house. And they can afford one. I don't know if she's allowed to make those decisions. I think it's just, I don't know. I can't believe in 1960, there were already no, you know, window units. I mean, things were just getting going, I think with the the portability of air conditioning. You know what? There was another scene that had a, a a twin Peaksian vibe to it. Mm-hmm. which was Betty and Francine. Oh, you think so? That's interesting. Well, I'll tell you why. It wasn't the content as much. It was the pace. Now, they were, the baby was sleeping. So the quietness of the pace was driven by that. But if if you watch the scene, it's the, it's like, how do you even direct to that? It was line, and I think this, Oh, do you think so? Like it was, and every, it, the whole thing was very strange. And again, driven, I'm sure driven by the the inherent yeah. quietness and, and the heat, right. but yep. it was weird. Yeah, it slows everything <laughs> down. But that line of my husband would rather go to Sears, the way she delivers it and the fact that it's out of nowhere, it, it's sort of like, it fits, but mostly it doesn't fit. 
and it makes for an interesting watch and okay, we're going here. But uh, anyway, that was to me that that whole thing, it fit in with this larger theme of how the sausage is made because he's he's maneuvering his way into into a sale, he thinks. And her Um, well, and her maneuver was husband Sears and we're done. Please leave. He he turned a no into a yes, and she turned a yes into a no. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you could yeah. say. I'll bring up because we're halfway there. Th- this idea of Betty now introducing getting an air conditioner, and they're in bed. You know, I forget the exchanges. A couple things. First of all, Don's coming off of his overnight with Rachel. Just to pause there for a moment. That's the underlying question of the episode. There's a lot of. Uh, Betty's not getting any sex from her husband. And in fact, toward the end, right, they, they're not even kissing because everybody's too hot. But Don's got a wall up and Betty is frustrated by that wall. And we're looking at, is Don now starting to be monogamish with Rachel? Like what's going on there? Yeah, there, there, there is an element of that. And when he, when we see him with Rachel, she gets into again how how things get done. She's getting into the mechanics of, I don't know how you do it. And it I loved that. So how hard. is this? How is this supposed to work? I thought that was yeah. an incredible question. And yes, goes right. exactly to what you're talking about. She's how not. Things she's work. not. Yeah, she's not Midge, saying come over whenever. Don't mention her name. I just you know we're just in the moment. I'm a hippie here down in the village. It's none of that. It's the grounded Rachel Menken who can't just can't just have an affair it's going somewhere or it's not and don i don't think don knows what he's dealing with with that he's he <laughs> he still wants to come over when he comes over he still wants to kind of call the shots i'm sure well what he says is i don't think about it Right. I mean, I try not to. I mean, she that's in she says this is all this, exactly. this is so hard on me, but what makes it hard on me is how is knowing how hard this must be on you and he's like, "Nope. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it isn't because I don't think about it." So it's clear that he has been making it clear to her that there is a future. But the truth is she's asking, "How does this work?" He has no fucking idea cuz he lives in the moment. He's like, "Honey, I have put much greater things in my life out of my mind than behind me than <laughs> than, what, he, than what's my wife and kids doing while I'm with you like it's this is nothing <laughs> yeah he he one hundred percent doesn't have is not thinking about a plan he's not thinking about I need to go home and tell Betty this thing is no. over there's none nope. of he's he's banging on it's going to all work out without any thought to exactly right. what you're saying, which is how does this work? And that's and and that's an example of the kind of exchange or conversation I did not catch in previous viewings that now are way heightened and there is an emotional quality to it and there is meaning behind it that I'm just kind of realizing on this viewing. So that's a much richer element of the episode. So it's it's worth just kind of tagging that. But then at the same time, that's on his mind when he goes and is in bed with Betty, presumably the next night. And Wow. I mean, there was a point where I forget the exchange. I should have written it down. But there was a point in their exchange, he and Betty, where he has a moment where he's like thinking of saying I'm unhappy or this isn't work. Like, you know, the pause or the wheels are turning in his head where 
he was looking for an opening and didn't take it. And that passes. And then Betty gets in and you can tell it's bothering him. Like it's, it's evident that it's there. And then Betty gets into the air conditioner. And when it, it makes his reaction, this explosive, I damn well will, like it's this very sort of like right. protective, a little bit protest too much type of reaction to this guy, the, the, the salesman story. And I'm thinking, wow, well, that's just Don. On top of everything else is Don's frustration that I think he wants to find a way to be with Midge, be with Midge, to be with Rachel and perhaps start this discussion, this process of, well, maybe there's a way to leave Betty. Maybe there is a way for this to work. How would it work? But it's just it's fleeting and it's gone. And I think his frustration comes out in his reaction to the sales guy. You know, on the one hand, I saw his anger as a callback to when he got angry with her in red in the face over, over what happened with Roger. Um, and we had, we talked about how that was, um, why that, that, that anger seemed so, and especially there was an, there was an air of a threat of violence, right? Mm. It came from, it came out of her mouth. You're going to throw me against mm. the wall. When you and I talked about that, what I said is I, th- I think there's, I think there's more underlining, underlying, anger inside this marriage than 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 anybody is acknowledging than we are an audience as an audience are 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 even seeing that they they would not describe their marriage as one filled with rage but I think these little moments pop up where there's this anger on the other hand I saw it as a little bit performative like you let that guy in my house (laughs) yeah right right. and then but then the other piece of it is I mean she was she was baiting him. So the next scene is, is I think it's the next scene or it definitely comes after is the scene with, with her and Francine and Francine, one of the Francine asks like, well, why'd you, why'd you bring it up again? The violence Carl, Carlton would have broken, broken my arm, arm or yeah. something like that. That's lovely. Um, but Betty is, Oh, I don't know. Just, whoop, just popped out, just came up, came yeah. up in conversation. She, you watch right. that scene and she kind of goes beat, beat, so air conditioner, I can't remember what she said. Something about the window, yeah. something about the whatever. And, uh, you know, she definitely was like, I'm going to throw this yeah. into the mix. <laughs> yeah, she's she's stirring the pot. And she, well, first of all, she's stirring the pot with Francine, too, because she says when they're talking how pushy he was. And she wants Francine to say, oh, I thought he was kind of cute. Right. Oh, you're right. You know, so she because she didn't find him pushy at all. She was. No. She was into it. She, <laughs> she was. She, we, she was know real Betty, close to push. Right? She was. She was real close to pushed over. Yeah. No. She. Yeah. He. He turned on her jet. So. So I think she was baiting <laughs> Francine as much as You're with right. Don. Yeah. You know. She. Um, yeah. She definitely wanted to be like, "You saw that cutie boy, right? He was in my house. <laughs> I, right. You let him in. Fuck yes, I let him in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But but she was doing it the other way, right? It's right. like it's. It's he was pushy. Oh, you thought he was cute, huh? Well, that's interesting. Once again, um, once again, here's my what theme: you say what, and what you think. Yeah. There's a difference between what happened and what we say about what happened. Oh, big time, big time. And with Don, she told the guy he was that they were going to go to Sears. She told Don that the salesman said X, Y, and Z. She's hoping Don will be like, "Okay, sounds good. Let's get that estimate so she can call him back." 
<laughs> she's, right. she's looking for a return <laughs> visit. She yeah, didn't that's... say she didn't say, can we go to Sears and get a, a an air conditioning unit? <laughs> she's talking about the guy. So it, Betty's got her own little her, her own little maneuvers going on. But that's a that's part of the themes of the episode. As you say, it's part of the, the themes of what we say versus what we do. And uh, but I just think it's 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 a great there's so much subtext to what would seem like a superficial kind of exchange. So I think it's just so great. So I'd like to get to Joan and Roger. Yes, please. Roger's reappearance at the office and during his recovery from the heart attack. I, sh- I shall be both dog and pony. Isn't that great? That's great. <laughs> and and the acting by Slattery, John Slattery, when he first appears like he really looks like he's recovering from a heart attack. I mean, obviously the makeup he's he's white as a sheet, but just his movements and his body language is yeah. is just so appropriately um trepidatious and careful and and the way, you know, someone a little bit older would be would be walking in. I don't know, something about it. It was very subtle and it was mm-hmm. very well done. The murderous rage I feel toward these men, toward this patriarchy, toward Lee Garner and and the just the cultural insistence that Roger Sterling be well coming from yeah. all of these men. And again, sorry to bring it back to current events, but there are certain men in power in our world today who see any sign of illness as weakness, as opposed to just, mm-hmm. it's just what it is. It just is. Yeah. I mean, and there was not one of them until Mona spoke up at the end of the whole thing that said, maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> like, maybe this is a bad idea. Like, maybe not so much. Like, none of them. None of well, them. Well, not one well, but- of them. Hold on. Bert, it not, I agree with you. I agree with you. But to be accurate, Bert's the one that said this was a mistake. He did say that. Now, Mona was a mile and a half ahead of him. <laughs> you, like, yeah, you think, yeah. right? Like, but, but did he wait? Did he say it at the beginning? No, he said or it only, after. When, did, he, right. He, he only said he, it after said it, it went. He only said it after it caused a second heart attack. Well, he yeah, didn't of course. say it. Right. But I'm saying none. Of, yeah. I'm saying leading yeah, up to the it. one beforehand saying he's got one hour and he's going to go, right. you know, she's no, she's but, but yeah, Bert, Bert saying it after is of course it, it's easy to say it after, but it's, it was the all leading up to it. There was not one of them who said, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't do it. Not maybe we shouldn't have done it. That's different. Right. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big, that's a, well, they do they, say they get to it after. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad they figure out that it was a bad fucking idea to give this guy a second heart attack. Now I will grant you Roger Sterling reached for the cigarette. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, he's part of it. He he came in. He didn't. He wasn't. Anyway, we will get to your scene. Sorry, I'm just. Uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm I'm drawn to the the casual anti semitism of the whole thing. You New Yorkers, <laughs> right. Just right? Code for something. Right. I'm not quite sure what. So that whole scene is that whole scene is fascinating. Yeah, the pile of of goyim eating eating the cat's deli. I mean, they didn't brand it, but. That was, uh, and that was what Joan ordered, knowing that that's what Lee. Oh, sure. They're coming in. He's got to see him at New York barbecue. I mean, it's just, it's, what is it? It's called Yankee bar. Yankee barbecue. Yankee barbecue. <laughs> Yankee barbecue. Yeah. Lee Garner Sr. is, um, uh, uh, 
one step from Cro-Magnon in a lot of ways. <laughs> so first of all, Roger's sitting in, it's in Bert's office, right? Where this is taking place. And probably. yeah, that probably. when they, uh, Roger's sitting there, Don and Bert are there and they call Joan in, which I didn't remember that way, but it makes sense. Yeah. And when Joan walks in, there's almost this acknowledgement, kind of like we saw with Bert acknowledging in Long Weekend that he knows all about Joan and Roger. Well, and Don, and he's he greets her, hi, honey, or right, That's hi, right. honey, yeah, right, exactly. So hi, it's honey. sort of like, and, and Don gives it a little something. You're not sure if what he gets there, but uh, yeah, like, that was I took a, from that. That was but, a but, greeting. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm talking about, which is like it's sort of like okay, we're now this conspiracy is now the four of us, right? To yeah. some extent. Um, and there's a few things that happen. First of all, Roger's speech to Joan is fascinating in so many ways. So mm. uh, first of all, he seems to acknowledge that it's over, which I guess is un- unsaid. But again, in those days, you know, is it just assumed that his days of, cavorting in hotels with with the head of the secretary pool is over because he's had a heart attack and he can't be doing this or whatever. I just don't know. Um, but we've seen Joan kind of blow Roger off in the past two episodes consistently. Not that she's calling it off, but she's not been going out of her way to take up every invitation to be with him. She's been making him work for it and he yeah. hasn't been working for it. She's been feeling... Um, you know, it's funny. I've grappled. I've, I've not, I've not diagnosed it until just this moment. In other, when we've discussed it, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what's behind this or that, but I can see it now. She, you know, there are casual people that you're with once or twice, but for something ongoing, she did not. She, she wanted to not be taken for granted, and she wanted him to make an effort, not just the morning of or whatever. Like make a plan to, you know, you. We already know the restrictions. We can't Mm. have dinner out. We can't this. We can't that. So those are those are the those are the. Joan knows to answer Rachel how that works. Built-in limitations. Yeah. She 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 knows the rules and the guidelines. Um but he he wasn't making enough of an effort. So I don't I don't know that it was over prior to the heart attack, but she definitely was like, "Listen, buddy, you're going to have to figure out how to woo me a little bit better." Yeah, that was that was the state of affairs before the heart Correct. attack. Correct. And then uh, you're you're right. There was an unspoken uh, we just I have to I have to stick with my wife. Yeah, and his speech talking about their relationship was in the past tense. I'm so glad right. I had the chance to roam those hillsides and everything else. Right. So <laughs> the central question for me and I've had this since the first time I saw this and I still haven't answered it is is she offended? That's what's so wonderful. No, the answer speech. is she's not. She it's so, this goes back to... Because let's just be straight. It's an offensive speech. It's an offensive speech. <laughs> and, it's a, and... It's No, 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 that's why. There's no, is, but hold on. My, 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 my point here, I want to hear your answer, but my point is there's no interpretation of that speech. And I'll even go back in 1960, there could have been no interpretation of that speech that was inoffensive. Absolutely. This goes back to what you said in Babylon, when we first discovered that that they were together, 
that the, that Roger and Joan have a similar worldview. And Joan, her reaction to him saying those things to her was purely emotional. He, the, the woman, the face of the woman hearing those reductive <laughs> words was the woman, was a woman hearing, you have made my heart, no pun intended, right? Whatever, like, like flowery, romantic, heartfelt, honest to God, you have changed my world for the better in these. And she, I mean, she, that's what we love about Joan and Roger. She gets him. She gets that. That's all he's capable of she, saying. It didn't offend her. It, it, it came from his, the bottom of his damaged, damaged heart. Art. Yeah, well, <laughs> he was damaged, so funny. Damaged soul. I mean, the wind up is a Hallmark card, and the punch is is a dirty limerick. And she, and she just she gets him. She she really. And that I is why they, I, they that never felt right to me. That like, it's it is. I could never be with Roger Sterling, but she can. She kind of is sentimental towards it, so I that never that just never fit for me. Like, you know, it's it's like she's not going to slap him across the face. He absolutely knows that that Joan Holloway is much more than her body. He really does know that. But he he wouldn't have stuck with her for as long if she wasn't an intellectual match for him as well. He talks to her. I mean, he talks he talks at everybody Mm -hmm. that, you know, he, he he, he talked at Mirabelle. But there's there's something there that he there's it is not all that he cares about when it comes to Joan. I like to think so. You're not wrong. I'm not I'm not arguing in any yeah. way with that the content of what he said was gross. To me what was so tender about the scene was that she wasn't offended by it. That she just went, "Yep. I I can't, you know, she it moved, it touched her heart." Mm. And he's awful and he's Roger and he just is. I know. And the words don't necessarily match theme the words don't necessarily represent what he really means Mm. this is what he's capable of expressing and he's expressing it to your point you know the hallmark card setup he's expressing it with all the tenderness and sincerity of i've always loved you my whole life and i'm sorry i can't be with you and she heard the words behind the words maybe she's just happy that he's acknowledging it's probably over maybe that's it i don't know it's just crazy. She was she was very she no. She didn't look relieved. She looked moved. She didn't look offended either. She wasn't, because she gets I, I it. I know. I know. All right. And she's she likes being valued. But if she for, but listen, if she but that but that but that's the heart of my, my issue. If she gets him, then she wouldn't have insisted that he not take her for granted or, you know, make a big deal about the apartment with him previously. Those are in, those are inconsistencies in her approach that I'm not I'm not squaring. Um, her going in to make him up is part of the sausages made theme behind the scenes. Oh my god, yes! Getting him ready, which is awesome. There was something so tender about the act of her putting that makeup on him. I mean, that was oh just my so gosh. so intimate, and it was way more than that. Jo- that yeah. Miss Holloway, you're the one with the discretion. And, it's yeah. it was beautiful. And that and that's the setup to to Roger's punch in the and the kick in the nuts was 
<laughs> was just how tender it all was. It really was. I, I just, again, I think, I think that was written that way to shock us in how it didn't shock Joan, but it didn't shock Joan. It just no. didn't. I know. All right. <laughs> Label me, color me shock. Yeah, no, I, I, it's shocking, but it's, I don't know, it made sense. This time it made sense to me. Let's take a break from the bottom of our damaged, damaged hearts. Let's do it. Can we talk about Peggy's date? <laughs> so you drive a truck. That was really great. I found that like sort of like <laughs> insanely real, like almost hyper realistic. The way Peggy, who's got to be, what, 19 or 20, and kind of, you know, she is a little high-handed, and she is a little full of herself, and she isn't picking up these cues from from her, from her date, who seems like an otherwise perfectly decent guy. We see at the beginning of the episode, Peggy is on the phone with her mother, being coerced by, by her mother to have this date. <laughs> right. Now we're at this restaurant, and... He really is lovely, like yeah. until he's awful. And then he apologized, you know, in this world of, and I'm going to use some very, very, very large, sarcastic, heavy air quotes, cancel culture. There's a lot to a really good apology. And his apology was really, really good. Like yeah. he was like, I am sorry. I should not have said that to you. It was terrible. What you want from a human being who, who is not good. In a moment. He was he was showing off all kinds of decency throughout the whole thing. He really was. And she was. (laughs) Less than gracious. She was less than gracious. Gracious. Talk about a disconnect between what we say about Mm -hmm. things and what the things are. I mean, (laughs) oh, my friend Joan always orders these for me. And she's a scream and and her her and she never drinks and she never smokes, but she smokes. And oh, I smoke all the time. Yeah, um, the cl- the classic sitcom move. And Marjorie, she's a she's a hoot. Can't stand each arguing other. Arguing with right? over the three three dollar and fifty nine cent phone bill. <laughs> well, this is Peggy growing up a little bit and stumbling. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Peggy kind of growing into the person she's gonna be and knows she's gonna be, and yet she's still got her mom setting her up on dates with the local neighborhood boy, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating because. In and of himself, there might be nothing wrong with the local neighborhood boy. He's bought his own route. He's gonna he's gonna drive the truck, and he's a young guy. And before long, he's gonna have a bigger route, and then a larger route, and then a second route. You know, like he's doing his own thing, and that's that's presented as a perfectly you know noble thing to do. So she's kind of ignoring all that and seeing him as the local boy. That's right. Only. And she's high-handed and living a better life in Manhattan. And it's a little it's a little version of um Saturday Night Fever, <laughs> you know, maybe. You're right. It is, it is, you're right about Saturday Night. Actually, Saturday Night Fever was Bay Ridge, I believe. It was Bay, Bay Ridge, Ridge, which is Bay exactly Ridge, where she's which from. is where she's from, but she lives yeah. now in Park Slope. She's closer. That's funny that it really is Saturday night fever <laughs> it's in, a, totally. in some ways. My God, she really got everything wrong about how how she <laughs> behaved. She really was just terrible and and but there is a fundamental need that she has regardless of <laughs> how awful she was to him and all mm. of that that um 
when he started knocking advertising mm-hmm. that yeah it's too important it's too important to her that's and, right. and he, nothing- again that's that's what he apologized for he shouldn't have yep. said it but he had a lot of thoughts <laughs> he did yeah. have a lot of thoughts he was he, his his opinions about about advertising were more like the hippies the uh the beats midge's midge's crew i just got a new account the other day i already wrote copy for belle jolie lipsticks it's going to be in a bunch of magazines which ones i don't think you read them they're about high fashion advertising doesn't work on me it's just a lot of people screaming at you from the walls and the tv and that was that was the line for her, really, in, in a lot of ways. Rather than taking that moment to engage a skeptic mm. um, or say, tell me more about that or what's why do you think it works? Maybe it does. You know, have you ever thought about it? You know, like. Right. And and use that moment to to engage. She's she's taking offense to it. She can't really separate. And again, she's a young girl. She's not she's not going to have all those tools in her toolbox necessarily so uh this is just her stumbling through the growing process i just realized something too is um in the in the world of the kinds of prejudices that exist um you know listen peggy it's been clear from the beginning uh and it's been said over and over she's she's not the she's not the hottest girl on the block right she is and and in this culture, there is this notion of she's supposed to be a little grateful for a date, mm-hmm. but that doesn't ever get expressed here. And I appreciate that both yeah, about absolutely. both about her date and about the the writing of this scene. You know, go back to um, she's gained a lot of weight, and you go back to you know when they bring her into the meeting. Why are you asking me? Because you're a woman and we value your opinion. And she believed them and they were, for the most part, telling the truth. Maybe some of them were like, well, she Don try said she it was, and he but was Don said sensitive. It. And he was sensitive. And Joel, uh, I, Joel, uh, Joel Murray, <laughs> Freddie Rumson said it. You know, they, they, I mean, they did bring her in because they value her opinion. But it, mm-hmm. I just, twice there were opportunities here for her to be put down for her weight that were mm. not twice in the episode that were not taken. And I personally appreciate that. Of course. Um, yeah, this no, date I, didn't, this date had no, he was like, he was happy to be on this date until she was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> Peggy, it's, it's, it's the classic story and it is a little Saturday night fever, but it's a huge theme of Mad Men, which is, you know, these tribes and this this date, this guy is from her tribe in Brooklyn, right? He's he's yes. blue collar and it's he's drinking a Rheingold, which is exactly what that guy would have drunk, <laughs> would have ordered. And uh, it all fits and it's great. And she's from the neighborhood. So so they're from the same tribe. But she obviously has aspirations. We know this. And she does. She's the from the tribe is the last place she's going to look for a guy now or really ever. So it's just that interesting period where she still has her mom and <laughs> the 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 roots and the and the strings back to back to home uh that's going to put her in situations like this but she's yeah I mean she's already made up her mind she's not going back but 
Um, that's right. That's her, what we see in this scene is she is she's not having any of it. Right. Even 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 getting uh, an evening with a perfectly decent nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. She's not even subscribing to the free meal club methodology <laughs> of dating, which is which is a way women survive. You know, even even today, it still happens. Sure. It's like I'm gonna go on some dates and get some meals because I don't have enough to. That is a thing. Uh, yeah. So Peggy's date, I think, is is an instructive part of of the the episode, and I'll just tie it back real quick too. It's more of how how things get done. Oh, persuasion doesn't work on me. It's just a bunch of people shouting. It's more perceptions of of the mechanics of of advertising, and of course. Peggy is um, all about the mechanics of advertising at this point. If advertising is good, people never think it works. That moment he keels over with the sandwich in his hand is still as shocking <laughs> to watch. Yeah. It really is just, it's so, it's played really just wonderfully by everybody in the room. And, um, but the ripple effects of that, of how shocking it was in the event itself, it's, it's Lee Garner saying you might want to make Don know that he's he's valued and, you know, all these machinations that go into surviving all this stuff. Cut to Don in Bert's office uh, getting offered to be made partner, which is a big Don deal. Don in Bert's office or is it Don in Roger's office? Oh, did it take place in Roger's office? I'm confused. Oh, you bring me in here to tell me this? Isn't, yeah, isn't yeah, that I think you're the... right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, Roger knows how it's done. It's okay, right? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I think, I think right. that was the yeah. so cut to Don in Roger's office with Bert, getting the offer for uh, for partnership. And in between, we get all of this talk of the the Greek chorus of you know this is how it's done. They bump everyone up. It makes room for us and people talking about who really brings in the business around here. Is it Don? Is it these other people? And so this this larger kind of set of discussions around how the sausage is made, what what yeah. what goes on behind the scenes, and 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 how you keep the lights on at a at a at a medium sized agency. So and one one little sub sub how it works that that uh, that I got from there. Sal says something about because they're all they're all threatened. They're all like, "What is this going to mean to us? What's this going to mean to me? What's mm-hmm. this going to you know who's getting fired?" I love. I love when somebody said, I can't remember, maybe it was Ken said to Pete, you're not going to get fired. And the look on his face. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's, exactly. he was fired once and none of them yeah. know it. Yeah, you're not going to get fired <laughs> right. again. Right. Right. <laughs> but Sal says the thing about, um, I wrote, designed, printed, whatever he said about my resume. I mm. can't remember exactly. He listed like three things he did with his resume, all on the company expense. And that reminded me back of, of at the beginning of the episode when Peggy is on the phone with her mother and and Joan Peggy says to Joan were you listening to my phone yeah. call and Joan says your personal phone call on company time <laughs> so you know those yeah. rules are not the same for everybody Certainly he not. can brag about sneaking around and and Peggy gets scolded for it yeah yeah but the you know ultimately Don, uh, Don gets the offer for partner Twelve percent, not bad. And then immediately is told to go find a replacement for head of accounts for Roger, right? Which yep. leads us to uh, a whole other set of events. One of which is Pete. Then, and I just there's such a little, almost like a like a ballet that goes on here, plot wise, where Pete invites himself into 
Roger's office where where Donna is after having just made partner. Actually, I I have one more interjection. Yeah. Earlier in the episode, Pete said something about Joan's been a little bitchy lately. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, Joan's been grieving and terrified about Roger. So, Mm. you know, that's your interpretation. But later now around this this moment that you're talking about, you've got um, Pete watching Bert and Don go to talk. And Pete says to Hildy, his secretary, you know, keep an eye on that door. And mm. she's like, I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll just sit right here and watch that door. <laughs> and he Sass. barks yeah. at her. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? And I'm like, mm. who's been a little bitchy lately? Maybe yeah. you should maybe you should try a washing machine because somebody yeah. needs to relax. Anyway, that just I just that dichotomy of of who's the interpretation of who's being bitchy and That's right. what men can get away with and what we're saying about <laughs> again, mm-hmm. there's what's actually happening versus what we're saying about what's happening. Fuck Pete Campbell. Fuck Pete Campbell. We're going to hashtag it. Hashtag it. I'm hashtagging it right now. Hashtag fuck Pete Campbell. We're doing it. So Pete goes into Roger's office where Don is and kind of immediately and (laughs) very ceremoniously uh, throws his hat in the ring for head of accounts. And Don's Don's response is (laughs) like... We work. What, what did he say? We're a great team. <laughs> All right. It's undeniable, Don. We're a great team. Okay. All righty. And, uh, and he literally says, I want to throw my hat in the ring. Or You, you must yeah. know. You must know I want to throw my hat in the ring. And Don's like, well, I know now. <laughs> Which is basically like <laughs> saying, I hadn't even considered you for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but if you insist I consider you, I guess now I have to acknowledge that That's you've right. asked me to consider you. And Don's Don's on his way, and and he goes and he has a very nice moment with Peggy. I think where he gives her the the rest of the afternoon off. I guess a half hour, or whatever it might be. And worth mentioning, Peggy's getting the raise, the five dollar raise that she negotiated for. More more office maneuvers with that. Um, we won't get into it, but it was a great great sequence there. She asks, "Can I, can I tell Joan that I now it <laughs> won't be on your desk?" Which is sort of the more more valuable than the five dollars a week, I think. To go. And again, it gives it leaves us with the gift of our imagination because that's the scene we don't get to see. The and boy, the, the boy, do we wish we scenes. could. Yeah, oh boy, <laughs> that'd be at the top. But Don kind of flies out of there as well, and we go from Don and Pete in Roger's office to now Pete measuring the drapes in. Uh, in Don Draper's office and sits behind the desk and puts his feet up and makes a whole little thing. And you kind of think that's where it's going to end. And then it's this nice little plot ballet of everybody being in different offices for, Mm. for a short time. And you think that's going to wrap up the episode and that would be a great little wrap up to the episode. But then of course the package from Adam plops on the desk. That's the bookend, which is the the first bookend to the opening. And then there's another bookend that we that remains open, <laughs> right. in that uh, we see Pete intercept, steal this box or whatever from Don's desk. So there's just it's our first it's our first legitimate cliffhanger. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, each each show and and in true Mad Men style, 
the episode is complete before the, <laughs> the cliffhanger. It's not That's like right. things led up to the cliffhanger and we're like edge of our seats waiting to see what happens. The, the episode was done. He sat down yeah. behind Don's desk. It was done. He could have rolled the credits. That's right. But we <laughs> we we get the bookend and then the first bookend of something else, basically. So, wow. I just, you know, never never would have recalled all this from from Indian Summer, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot there. Let's take another break and we are going to come back with our favorite quotes of the episode. The scene with Rachel and Don, and I already mentioned that what Don says is, I don't think about it. I mean, I try not to. And what Rachel says, this was the quote that grabs me, is, must be a powerful mind there because I can't control mine. Again, I tend to identify a lot with Rachel. I tend to find myself, my view. Listen, I am not the steady, cool, grounded woman that Rachel Mencken <laughs> appears to be. But she thinks... She thinks a little like me sometimes, and I am always in my in my personal work, in my in my personal examinations, in my view of life, trying to get a grasp on. There's all that crap my mind does, <laughs> and then there's how I want to be living my life. And I sure wish that I can control my mind. Now, to bring it back to Mad Men. She's also so observant. Again, she has just said to him, you know, basically my heart breaks for what this must be doing to you. And mm-hmm. he says, I don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing. like, you, wait, what? Yeah. How do you, what? How do you do that? So she's probably sorting through an array of feelings mm-hmm. about what it means that he's not thinking about it. Must be a powerful mind there because I can't control mine. You monster. There's a lot that she's figuring out and observing about Don Draper. For someone who does not get swept off her feet, she is feeling a bit swept off her feet. With her eyes open. So my quote comes from the dinner date with Peggy and... uh, I don't know if we know his name. Wise potato chip guy. The way she closes the date, she says... Those people in Manhattan, they are better than us because they want things they haven't seen. I would like to say that I, I to, to our listeners, I have a, have a strict, we're not going to say the quote that we're going to say later when we talk about the scene. And it was the hardest thing in the world in that scene because it is the most <laughs> exquisite line, mm-hmm. um, maybe of the episode, yeah, arguably of the season. It, it is a memorable line. It's a terrific line. It gives you real insight into Peggy's character, even more than we probably already knew. But I've always had a lot of, I don't know what the word is, ambivalence about this line. It it feels kind of open-ended to me. And here's again, Peggy kind of stumbling out of the gate. So the line is delivered as this kind of slam dunk, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like, honey, there's a reason there's a saying, don't forget where you came from. Saying certain group of people is better than us is, is I don't know. That's a very, that's a very confusing thing to say to me. I always, I always interpret that as a confusing thing to say. I agree. Again, I think this scene has been insightful into 
her values, there's suddenly there's admiration for something we didn't necessarily know there was admiration for. Mm. So uh, I'm going to set aside everything that you just said. I, I I don't think you're wrong about about it. I think what I think she's um, I think to take to say all the people in Manhattan are better than all the people mm-hmm. in Brooklyn is bananas mm-hmm. and immature. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I love about the line is this is the second part is this notion that they want things they haven't seen. Right. To be honest. Yeah. Right. I think it's the, the fact that in one sentence or one quick line, we've got Peggy being both admirably aspirational, which is the part of her we love and also dismissive and high handed and small. Yes. And that's a and lot. That- that's a that's a big range for one line fascinating and somehow though she takes this moment and steps next into asking for more money and a desk and she's never seen it she's the first girl writer in the agency she's wanting something she hasn't seen Mm -hmm. and so it's a very powerful um driver for her and it's it's having her take it's all building what you up. Can, what you can do with wanting something you haven't seen is 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 take actions toward it and mm-hmm. make it and manifest it, right? That's this right. is, I'm getting a little woo-woo, but that's really how it works. And that's Absolutely. really what she did. That's her trajectory. No question. All right. I think we have covered and uncovered Indian Summer. And yes. And what's exciting, Dan, is we are, we are, we have rounded the bend. We have this, this was, we're in the final three and we've got two to go. We'll be back next week to talk about Nixon. Is it Nixon v. Kennedy or Nixon versus Kennedy? Is the S in there in the title, Roberta? I I think it's, uh, I'm going to check right now. It's Nixon, it's Nixon versus Kennedy is the next episode. We've we've got Nixon versus Kennedy. A lot happens. <laughs> I'll just say political overtones to that. We'll see how that how that plays out. I'm not sure. It's just a guess. No spoilers, but right. yeah. Here's how you can communicate with us. We are at TCI Mad Men Pod. That's our Twitter and our Instagram handles. Uh, you can email. Questions at TCIMadmenPod.com. If you're a Facebook person, we you could just search They Coined It and we will pop up. We've got a little bit, little bit of bigger and better planned for next season. So, you know, keep hanging. Like, we're, we, we love this. All right, everybody. We thank you. Be good. See you next time. Mm-hmm.